You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. We're doing it live. All right, welcome to episode 100 we're doing it. of the motherfucking podcast. Woo! Guys, 100 episodes. Congratulations. Deal, it is a- Cheers to all you MFs. That's it it is a big deal, man. 100 episodes. That's that's a major milestone. It took a lot of showing up and sitting down with our friends to get this far. And like, and and I know Ethan. Hey, let's give a round of applause to Ethan Klein for troubleshooting all the tech issues, <laughs> trying to make it work. He has been sitting next to me here, swearing for the last two hours, just like we'll getting so mad <laughs> about. What's Even going when on. I couldn't hear you, I could just see asterisk, 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 and I knew that somebody was cursing. So for the kids at home that don't know what's going on, uh, you have a filter on your Skype, which I won't let me turn mine on, and I'm sad about it. So that's what we're it's talking. A, I'm, I'm I'm reading the subtitles for what for what we're t- for everything that everybody's saying. I'm first. He sees asterisks in his own head because he doesn't like curse words. Right. Little grows up, and she's kind of in a sheltered environment. And her mom puts a uh, like a V chip in her head. Oh right, like the barking dog, like the mean dog walking by, and instead she just sees like the puppy, <laughs> the blurry dog. Yes, I love Black Mirror. It's so good. Still- Which I thought was pretty interesting. Anyway, she actually, to, uh, actually, she asterisks her boyfriend like on camera, and her mom sees her asterisking, <laughs> and it's, it's highly emotionally distressing to her mom to see them asterisk. I'm still on dial-up, so all mine looks blurry, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> blurry to Mikey in general. Good, Mikey. This wait, whole that's time, how I thought I, it was supposed to look. I thought you had a one hitter in your hand and you just had a pen that you were twirling around. I was like, damn. I was like, damn. (laughs) Mikey likes to cut loose when he's at home with the kids. Totally. (laughs) Hey, welcome to to episode 100 of the motherfucking podcast. This is, of course, the official podcast of the international power rock combo motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Gordo G. Gordon. Yeah, Gordo is up in this bitch. And um, I'm very happy to introduce our guest for our 100th episode. We uh, we promised this episode to him. This is like the guy who has made it possible for uh, the podcast to go to the next level. He's the one who has really provided us the space and 
the resources and the 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 gear and the time and the support um, in order for us to make this happen. And he also, if uh, any of you guys have ever seen. Um, the Dirty Half Dozen DVD that came with the live album that we did. Mikey actually co-created that, co-directed it with me. Um, it's a very old friend of mine and ours, and a guy who has supported art and music through through video and supported the independent action sports community, and is now helping the 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 new burgeoning weed world. Um, create content for for the world please welcome to the show my very good friend founder and ceo of the nug nation studios and creator of the nug nation animated series please welcome mikey peterson to the show yeah yeah wow. i'm like waiting for Thank applause you. and i'm like all right it's just the three of us <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I don't know how i don't know how i follow up with an intro that long um aaron you're <laughs> awesome that certainly was very long and and just for the, I want to say that um, when you said Gordo was up in this bitch, uh, it, it actually read as birch. So I'm up in this birch <laughs> right now. So I like I'm no, jealous. It, it I kind of want to put on the subtitles. I don't know if I. It's I, I tried. It wouldn't let me. So I but highly no, recommend all, it. In all actuality, I am super proud of you guys. I said if you guys ever made it to episode 100, that is the episode I want to be on because it is such a big milestone for you guys for everybody that's uh you've been after it man every week you have not faltered they've always found a way even if guests have fallen off or there's been technical difficulties as we always see to happen you always power through and you've made it you have never missed a day and it's amazing to me i really appreciate that man thank you so much it's i mean it's a shitload of work um you know but it's like the only way you're going to get better at anything is by just showing up and doing it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it and this is true. Um, and I never knew that when I was younger, I guess. You know how important it is just to show up like and you know you hear the quotes about, you know, the 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 hardest part is showing up or 90% of it is just arriving or whatever, you know, any iteration of that. But it's really true. If you just show up day after day, week after week, month after month, you will improve on it even if it's frustrating and annoying at the times that you do show up. And I know that that's been the case with, you know, the Nug Nation, you've shown up every day no matter how fucked up or touch and go that it's been and you've gone to some amazing places and accessed some people that I would never hope to be able to access in a hundred years and we're going to talk about that a little bit Um, but I'm like one of the main reasons we want to do this on episode 100 is because when when we initially started talking about it I think at like episode 50 we discussed how excited we were going to be to see where everything we've been doing, how far everything we'd been doing would have come by a hundred episodes, you know, cause it yeah. would have been basically a year later. So yeah. first of all, let's give a little background about how we know each other. So Ooh, I'd love to touch on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the way that I know Mikey is let's one of those. You remember it, right? Well, here's the thing, dude, is I don't remember being introduced to most people. I just remember that 
<laughs> I mean, that's just a fact. Like, it's one of those things where you just like know that you've known someone and you've always known them. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, you know what? I think I think I'm hearing the but I um, can... Facebook Messenger uh, notification coming in. I keep hearing like this, like oh, really? audio, like Bing. notifications <laughs> coming in, like that. Wow. Wow. Look at you know how popular we are. Live. Yeah, I know. People, people are. Going, I heard it five times. Yeah, people are going. Your stream looks like shit. <laughs> nice. What are you guys terrible. doing? Looks well, bad. Get better. get better internet then, people. No, okay. So I think I think if I remember correctly, you and I met at Socks Place because you were around no. at Socks Place a lot, um, shooting video for like Egg. the hardcore scene, right? Yes, you're right. You're you're halfway right. Okay, how did you're we meet, Mike? This is actually this is even before Socks Place started popping off as a good as a uh, you know uh, venue, more or less. Um, this is before they started doing a lot of music stuff in there. Trevor, or I'm um, sorry, uh, Jordan and his family. But what it was, it was the Jesus Saves ramp. Oh, so right. I was in. Right, I was. Right, right. I was either still in high school or directly out. I can't really remember. This is over ten years ago, and uh, this was. There's a. There's been a couple of different variations of the Jesus Saves ramp, right? This was the first variation where it was only the half pipe on the back side of the warehouse. Okay. And I was skating it with. It was uh, me. Mark Frank Montoya, pro skateboarder and snowboarder, good friend, um, is before I really even knew him. He was just a guy with posters on my walls when I was a kid growing up. But I was skating with him. And then uh, one other gentleman, I'm trying to remember his name, big in the music scene. Um, and it was, it'll come back to me later. But you guys were playing behind the ramp. Remember, this is before they built the bowl. Right. right. This is before, and then you had to start playing in the middle of the bowl. This is like before Joe so Hendricks before. took it over, and and th- this was the guy yeah. who had it before. Yep. Right. 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 And so right. it was just the half pipe, and you guys were playing on the back side of the half pipe, um, and when you guys were fourth year freshmen, and that is when I met you. Was that night? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then socks place about I'd say six months to a year later south. Uh, Socks Place started doing a bunch more shows and hardcore shows. I think it was when Memphis had started finally promoting shows and uh, bringing stuff through. Right. And uh, that's where we started connecting more at Socks Place. Okay. See, man, that that time is just like, that is like ancient history to me. It, it literally, like, oh, yeah. like people talk about like having an experience and it like, you get this a lot with like people who have like, been to war or like survived trauma or been in like a hostage situation and it's like they talk about like yeah it just feels like it happened to someone else you know what i mean and and that's like when i think back about that period of time it really does seem like it was just it was something that happened to a completely different person but now that you're mentioning that i do remember that of course the fucking old jesus saves warehouse man yeah Man, were you that doing were you doing I video had, at that point already, or were you just skating? So back then, I was I was just skating. I hadn't quite dived into a lot of the music stuff, but that's around the time I started coming around the music industry with my brothers, uh, with Tim and Chris. Right. And as I started watching these bands and going to these shows, that's when it like it clicked on me because I'd already been creating video. Right, I've been creating video since I was ten years old. Right. And I was like. I'm going to start filming some of these because these are awesome. And then lo and behold, nothing was being 
documented about that. So we decided to start a documentary about the Denver music scene. And so we just started going and filming literally, I think, every single punk and hardcore show you could imagine that came through town, whether it was traveling local groups or big acts that came through. And we started interviewing bands and started shooting shows. I literally have, and back then, this is saying a lot, terabytes of footage of just shows all on tape too this is before digital cams and everything so i literally have oh you had like tape of this what really oh yeah i have i have a drawer uh, sorry uh, a nightstand in my storage unit that is literally like maxed out and filled with hundreds of mini db and high eight video cassette tapes of nothing but denver shows wow wild (laughs) and and you never you never really did anything with it like the documentary didn't end up working out right it just it kind of just like like it kind of just like balled out of control like it kind of like it it got out of control because we were we were documenting so much stuff and at the time it was changing so fast the local music scene was changing so fast that i couldn't keep up with it and i was like god by the time i finish it and edit it this is going to be completely obsolete Right, because right. because of the life cycle um, year, of a band, because yeah, of the life it was like, cycle of a band. Yeah. Age, yeah, it was like it was it was years long project, and it was like God. The only guys that were standing the test of time were you guys under a different t- name. By you, it was fourth <laughs> year freshman, and then it was fourth year, and now it's MF Ruckus. So right. even in that, but I think like the longest standing ones that we had that we were following were like uh, Frontside Five, King Rat, right. and. Uh, who else? Who else would be one of the OGs that are kind of still around? I don't even know if those guys are still around. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Frontside Five still comes out once in a while, um, but most of the people in those bands have moved on to other projects. Like uh, Bart McCrory's yeah. doing Throttle Bomb and Messiah Vore and you know whatever collab project he's got going on at the time. He did that um, Battle Axe collaboration or or uh, whatever. Gordo, what was the name of that thing? Was it the Battle Axe collab? Was that what it was called? Uh, the blood axe blood axe collab i believe yeah is what it was called yeah it was really gotcha. cool and then um according to the uh, i gotta say according to the subtitles uh voron was involved somewhere in there <laughs> i love that you're gonna keep going back to that well I, I i have to just that's the only commentary i'm good for here like uh, if i can if i can really just tell you guys give you guys a blow by blow of what's happening here on my screen <laughs> it, you're gonna love it you're gonna love it dude it's like uh we talked about the the assistive uh the assistive audio feature on on movies where it like pauses the scene and describes what's going on like you're doing that but with subtitles like if somebody was in the room and was blind and couldn't see the (laughs) subtitles you could like read the subtitles to them and for some reason they couldn't hear what was coming off the actual stream i don't know (laughs) <laughs> there are three men three men in different locations with headphones and they're all talking at each other what are they saying uh let's see they're saying anger go longer <laughs> they're saying anger go longer no um but then uh but then brooke uh brooke and rob dog and shane um from Frontside, they are doing uh the trade-ins now and we we just played with them not too long ago so they're still all active gotcha. like a lot of lifer musicians tend to be yeah, yeah, and most most everybody is in the scene. Um, but hardcore so, bands and like young punk rock. Hardcore bands. was even worse. Right, right, right. Yeah, hardcore. The hardcore scene because you had you had you know your punk rock bands, the hardcore scene, and some other kind of 
random groups. We kind of follow, we were trying to follow a lot of things in the Denver, local Denver music. So it was more than just hardcore, but hardcore band life cycle was even worse. Right. They'd be in one week out the next. Right. right? It was like, we couldn't keep up. And it was just one of those things where it kind of just got a little overwhelming. And then I got so heavy into the action sports world and it was easy to create action sports videos because I had an indefinite timestamp of when you could be done. Right. Right. It's seasonal. I know I have from October to August to film the movie, and then I have three months to edit it before it starts over again. So it was a lot easier getting into the action sports world and creating documentary and feature films because it actually had a cutoff date. <laughs> right. I had I created this music documentary that never had a cutoff date, and they kept changing. It was like every six months we'd have to revamp. Oh, man, this band isn't even alive anymore. And now all the members hate each other and they don't want to be in the same interview in the same video. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> like, so having any sort of narrative is like impossible, right? Yeah. Like following yeah. any. So it, was, it was. But I mean, tricky. that could be the whole thesis. You you really ought to dig all that stuff up and and just put it out as like a retrospective. And I don't know, yeah. maybe maybe talk about the individual groups just in the context of the one interview that you did with them. You know, obviously, right. since you like that's one thing uh, that that is kind of um, archetypal of of young scenes like that, whether it be the hardcore scene or the punk rock scene, like bands just have such a short life cycle. And you can see a band that is like immensely popular with a group of young people. And then they're broken up within a year. And the, the, the like people don't even talk to each other anymore, especially in the hardcore yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I enjoyed it. I met some of the best people in my life, people like you and Zach and people that we met uh, in that world that literally shaped who we are as adults, right? These this, these were the first group of people and you all were the first scene of people that we met out of high school. I didn't go to college and neither my brothers. It's not like we had that experience in life. So it's like, that was the start of the first influence that we had in our peers amongst living in the real world, right? right? You're kind of sheltered and don't shit through school. Um, you know, you're kind of blanketed by whatever your parents allow you to see what's in the real world. So that was our first experience. And it was beautiful, man. Those were those are some of the best friends that I have and I'll have for life because of being a part of it. It's you know, I do think that there's there's something to be said for the old ritual of like young people going off to do something. You know what I mean? Whether it's I mean, in most cases it's been military service because there's always been wars going on, but or going off to seminary or going off to study at a conservatory or or whatever it is, you know, these like these ancient ideas of someone like going away and and quote unquote learning a thing or two about the real world. Like I feel like being in a band was was college for me, was mili was military service for me, was was peace corps service for me, was you know, it it was the way that I f learned how to have social relationships. It's the way that I learned to work with groups. It was the way that I learned to, you know, how social dynamics work. It was the way that I like, like I learned how to get along with people and I expanded my knowledge of the different types of people that are out there. Some people go into the uh, peace course. Some people go into the hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. There you are, Gordo. Thanks. There for, he is. There he is. No, yeah. Thanks for chiming in. <laughs> yeah, no, and I. Um, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like it, those times, you know, as as rough around the edges as they might have been, um, 
were, were definitely some of the most fun times of my life, man. And it's like, I've known you so long. I, like I said, I don't even remember how we became acquainted and how we became friends. Like you had to tell me about yeah. it. It's just been that long. You know what I mean? And so yeah, interwoven. Um, so yeah. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about, um, your time in the action sports world. Cause that's where you spent, you spent a great deal of your time developing your skills in the action sports world, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've been skateboarding since I was eight, nine, I don't know, right. all my life. <laughs> and, um, snowboarding uh, too, or just skating? Like, yeah, both skateboarding and snowboarding. Right. Right. And so, um, as I got older and kind of got into my teens, started getting a little bit better and, um, you know, was, uh, you know, fairly decent, <laughs> uh, decent enough to start riding for a local skate shop, TS board shop. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I started off skating for Brian and Kendra at TS when I was 16. That's really cool. Um, I had no idea. And rode, yeah. I rode for the shop for a couple years and then, uh, I was, headed in a different direction out of high school. I was actually, I originally was, um, I graduated high school early. High school wasn't very difficult for me. Uh, I picked up on stuff pretty quickly. So I graduated early in my initial um, direction. I was going to school to be an EMT. Um, to And then um, had some stuff happen, had some, uh, had a death in the family that kind of uh, re, you know, rearranged some of my thought process and what I wanted to do in life. And I decided right. that I wanted to, um, get into entrepreneurship and do kind of my own thing, my own business. I kind of had, I've always had a knack for, I don't want to say a knack for making money, but a knack for wanting to make money. <laughs> right. No, no, no. And, uh, and, and I remember, so, I remember that was yeah, a so major turning point when you started to get like yeah. really serious about the business and the entrepreneurial side of, of your art. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was, um, I mean, I started a, you know, a blank skateboard deck company back in high school, a clothing company. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I was spending the weekend stealing my dad's lawnmower to go and mow lawns and then, you know, get yelled at when I'd come home and be like, where the hell's the lawnmower? And there's no more gas in it. You used to steal your dad's lawnmower to go mow lawns? <laughs> yeah. And he'd always get, he'd get, like, he couldn't get that bad at me. That's at the same great. time, he was like, kind of like impressed. He was like, yeah, well, <laughs> at least you're right. How mad can you get about that? That's good. Yeah, so I've always just kind of been like that, and so I wanted to continue doing that. So the skate ship, the or the skate shop, led a perfect opportunity to basically go and learn just business in general. These were, you know, Brian and Kendra were shop owners that started it themselves. They were their own bosses, ran their own business, and it was, you know, in the world that I wanted to be in. You know, where my first passion is action sports. So. Uh, started working for them very shortly after became the shop general manager then became the team manager and then i had a video background so i started skating and filming all the skateboard and snowboard team and before you know it that led into this whole crazy direction of um making action sports films and it's kind of funny the way it worked out um and this wasn't a uh, this wasn't a decision because of um uh, you know, it being so bad, but after the, after the passing of my dad, what had happened was, um, you know, we were partying a lot, you know, as you would right out of high school or kind of, you know, I can't imagine you partying a lot, dude. I just can't imagine know, you partying right? a lot. I've always uh, known you as just like and, such a serious dude, you know? Yeah. So and you've well, never been a big thing, drinker right? or drug that, dude either. Right. Well, here's the thing. At 
you know, 17 leading into 18 years old when this happened, this is when I started meeting the music people, right? right? And he started meeting people that were straight edge and just kind of a different lifestyle or a different way of doing it and how all these people could coexist, right? You had the punk rock people on one side of the aisle drinking their faces off, throwing beers at shows and whatever. You had the hardcore scene on the other side of the aisle, half of them are straight edge and clean cut and everything, but these worlds coexist and everyone's friends and family. Mm-hmm. And I learned this kind of, and especially in action sports, it was one of these things of like, you know what? You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be drinking and partying to fit in. Like everyone can coexist and have fun and right. be part of that same group of people, right? It's not really the way you learn in high school. You learn in high school by clicking together. And I don't know. So what had happened was I told myself when the shop hired me, the skate shop hired me, I was like, you know what? This is the greatest opportunity for me. I get to work in a skate shop and make money. I get to make money by going to a skate shop every day and just like hanging out and building skateboards. I was like, I don't want to mess that up. Right. So I'm just going to, I'm going to chill out for a little bit. I'm going to take a break. I don't want to be waking up hungover and sleep in and not be able to open the shop. Cause they gave me the keys to open. Like I didn't want anything dumb like that to happen. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of relax for a little bit and chill out and not party and uh, just kind of see what happens from there. So it wasn't a conscious decision to like, oh, I'm just done doing this. It was like, I'm just going to chill out because I don't want to mess this opportunity up. You just had, some, you so had something started, bigger that was more important that you took very seriously. Yeah, I like yeah. had responsibility. You, you made a very old decision, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and then I made this... Uh, Adult very decisions! What the fuck are those? <laughs> I rule. And this is where it all changed, right? I gave myself this rule of anytime somebody asked me to hang out, like actually go party, right? Go, hey, we're going to this person's house or we're going out tonight or whatever. I made the rule anytime someone called and told me that, I automatically told them I already had plans and I'd forced myself to go skate that night, like at Denver Skate Park, because it was one of the only night parks at the time. So I just went and skated every time. So every night I was going skateboarding and skateboarding went from like here to here in a matter of a year. Like got insanely better in a very short amount of time because that's all I was doing was just skating, 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 and I just stopped hanging out and partying. So um, as I'm, and this is how the action sports filmmaking got big was there was every time a pro skater or a pro skate team would come into town, right? They would look for places to film and they would look for filmers and they would look for shops. So they would call the local shops or their local sales rep from that company and they would, uh, you know, they'd put feelers and reach outs to who was able to show these pro skaters around. And very shortly, like a my name on type of thing. Yeah, but my name started being the only one put in the pot every single time. You know, these reps and these skate people or people in the community would be like, oh, yeah, if you want to go film and actually get real work done, call Mikey P over at TS. That's your guy. He's going to wake up on time. He'll keep everyone in line. He'll actually go film. He's not looking to party or like distract. If you're looking to get work done, call that guy. That's what happened. I started getting to skate and film with all these bigger names and it just became it just eventually snowballed into this full time skating and snowboarding and filmmaking in the action sports world to where I left the shop to do that full time and start making films. And it was all just kind of chopped up from a decision to just like chill out for a little bit. So I ended up being sober just your for decision 11 to be a years. Pro. Yeah. So, 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 <laughs> so yeah, in that case, years, I never touched a thing. And then, um, you know, just every now and then I'll have a glass of wine and smoke weed, but that wasn't until just a few short years ago that that started coming into play. Again. I've smoked weed with you one time. We never drank together. You came on tour with us. Like you came on tour with at that time easily 
the hardest partying band in Denver, at least at that time, at least in the state. And dude, you did none of it. You didn't drink anything. You didn't you didn't smoke anything. And I guess at that time, I just assumed that you were like culturally straight edge, like you were involved in the straight edge scene. And that was specifically why you didn't do it. I guess I just never asked you about it. No, yeah, it was just from a hey, life's going good, and all these opportunities started popping up because of it. <laughs> Why mess and with so a I'll good just keep thing? That going. <laughs> Why yeah. mess with a good exactly. thing? And it became something, you know, almost like an, ide- an identity thing. It's kind of what I was known for, right? But I opportunities kept popping up because of it. Like that's what it was. I was like, all right, well, I'd much rather get paid to skate and film and snowboard with the best riders in the world that I've looked up to my whole life right. than go have a drink and smoke weed and be unreliable source for people so right so uh i have to break in here and say that uh according to the text of the conversation uh 1011 years you never touched their thing and i find that highly entertaining and interesting that's all i can say (laughs) thank you gordo thank you gordo thank you for translating It's endlessly entertaining Go- to hear what you're saying and then to see it regurgitated in such a wrong way. It's it's fascinating. So so wait, okay. I know I know what you would be for. Someone sitting there reading the subtitles is like like if you are hearing impaired and illiterate. Like if you're hearing impaired exactly. and illiterate, like Gordo will come to your house and just read the If you want to know exactly what not the fuck is going on in this conversation. <laughs> But then you, I'm your guy. But then you would have to read Gordo's lips because you're hard of hearing, hence why you have subtitles in the first place. So Gordo just looks yeah, you in the you, face and enunciates everything that he reads on there. That's uh, amazing. I'm taking screen captures of the best ones so I can share it later. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, dude, that's that's really interesting to hear. Like, I, I seriously... I thought like i always thought that you were like a guy who never got into it at all never partied at all and and what led to you ending up getting these more serious gigs i mean i can speak from personal experience that the reason that i know we contacted you is you had a reputation for being like the guy who knew his shit about film and video you know what i mean and like Everybody, like every band needs someone to at the very least sit there and hold a camera for them while they're playing. You know what I mean? Everybody needs someone to like stand there and hold the camera for them while they're snowboarding or skating. They can't do it themselves, right? And so then there's certain people who just get really, 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 really good at that and master the craft and, and learn everything about all the technologies that go into it and how to make it look really good. And if you find someone like that and they're not a flake and they aren't prone to getting drunk and they're easy to hang out with and they smell good and have a giant penis, like you pretty much got <laughs> you pretty much got You got a match made in heaven. Every yeah, that's everything. That is the perfect package in a videographer. Um, Boom. Oh, man, it, bl- it blanked out penis. It blanked out wow. penis. Why does Skype have a problem with the word penis? I don't know. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Let's try this. Sure. Let's wow. try this. Micro penis. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. What? Yeah. Micro asterisk asterisk <laughs> asterisk. Hilarious. So uh, <laughs> please please continue. So so Mikey, um what what happens after you start making videos around the thrifty stick community is like is this when you start creating 611 and directing your own videos or is this like long before that yeah so um as we kind of get further you know like i said we started started skating or filming the skate and snowboard team full-time and that's when 611 came into effect because we started making full-length videos uh Part of most of it was the thrifty stick team, but we started bringing on other writers and everything else. So it kind of just became um, not really shop videos, if you will, because it kind of had a com- a combination of other shop kids and other local writers. So that's where Six Eleven spawned from was from creating shop videos to creating my own crew and my own team out of whoever I considered the best in town um, mm-hmm. to start traveling and doing our own thing with. And once it was officially kind of 611 in my own videos, I, that's when I started breaking away from the shop uh, from that regard and just kind of filmmaking full time. And so did that for five, six years. We did five feature length um, uh, snowboard films and then got to work with you. I mean, you name it, we've done, I've got to work with them, right? From Red Bull to Mountain Dew, Nike, Burton, all the biggest names in the world and working with different writers. So we've, I just, kind of through 611 stuff really yes yeah i had i had no uh, idea that you worked with with all those companies yeah and it was you know whether it was our own specific projects with their involvement somehow or being contracted for you know days to come and film or lead support on stuff like it all there's all a bunch of different variations of how i worked with a bunch of people um but all of it literally just spawned from doing our own thing and um we had a you know, our crew had a very unique aspect to it. And we heard this from several, um, you know, industry people in other states, right? Other sales reps from the industry. And um, we we treated what we did like the big boys did. And a lot of local crews do that. So you had all these local films, if you will, and local writers and local filmmakers um creating a movie all year, which is them just going into the park and going down the mountain and filming each other, do all that. And um, having a video premiere at the end of the year at Shotgun Willie's or a bar that nobody actually pays attention at, right? They just throw it on the screens and it's an excuse to go and drink. Right. And then you have us come in and the way we did it, and you're, you're a test to this, right? I learned the scene. This is exactly why we launched and did it this way. When we started putting out films, we rented venues and theaters right. and big screens with huge gatherings of people where they when the video came on everyone stopped partying stopped drinking sat in their seats looked at the show and well, watched you gotta what was inve- eventize it and yeah, we were the only absolutely yeah we were the only local crew to do this you had the big boys come in when burton or red bull would come through and do their movie premieres and they would do it like that but no one did it from a local standpoint because nobody had the capacity to pull in thousand people into a venue or several thousand people into a venue off local names that no one's heard of we were right because the beauty about denver and colorado is people colorado people love colorado <laughs> shit so ain't that we a- have a local community <laughs> we have a local community that actually was pumped on a crew out of colorado running our own video premieres and they would treat it like it was one of the big shows for the year that you could go and watch right. and we would talk to other sales reps that would come through and they're like they're like that is crazy that you guys 
pull these kind of numbers and do these kind of movies and shows because we don't see that anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. We don't see it anywhere else. Unless people have a lot of sponsors and big budgets, they're not doing the films like you guys are doing because we were spending the time and the dollars, my credit card essentially, <laughs> you yeah, know, right? making those films. <laughs> Okay, hang on. I'll cut us in. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. And we're back. Sorry, little te- momentary technical difficulty. Hopefully none of you watching the stream even saw it. But anyway, Mike, continue. Like you like you guys are like eventizing these these uh, premieres that you're doing. And yeah. I remember because you, uh, you had us on the soundtrack for one of them. I don't even remember what song it was, but you had yep. us on the soundtrack for one of them. And you guys did it at um, the Gothic Theater. And mm-hmm. I remember being really impressed by what an event it was. You know, it wasn't like, like I said, like a, like, like you mentioned earlier, uh, it wasn't like a, a party at Shotgun Willie's where the video's just kind of playing in the background and everybody's just getting fucked up. It's like the express purpose of being here is we're all going to sit down and we're going to watch this video premiere. Like it was, it was a big yeah. deal. It was like a, a uh, gala event. Yeah, that's a good. Gala, one, right? <laughs> gala, gala. What is it? Gala, 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 gala. Gila monster. Gila. <laughs> um, gila. You know, so yeah, we just you know we we <laughs> even though we were nobody, we took it serious, right? We took we took everything as serious and professional as we could because we put a lot of work right. into it. It was a lot of work, time, and money, and we wanted to you know have our night, and we toured doing that type of stuff too. Obviously, Denver's were the best nights. Um, but we toured these videos. You guys took to the videos venues, on you know, tours? The- really? We went on tours. I didn't yeah. know that. Where we'd go and, yeah, we'd go and play, you know, up in Seattle and in the South or in the Northwest and we'd play, you know, Tahoe and Salt Lake. And, you know, we would travel around and do movie premieres in different cities um, when the videos came out. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I that That's really cool. Um, Kevin Smith did that recently. With the new uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, he like he like yep. took the film on the road and showed it to people. And I like that's something that like I want to start doing with the comic series. You know what I mean? Is is eventizing just the comic pr- the the motion comic premiere in a way? You know what I mean? Instead of doing yep. it at a venue with with a stage where they're like where there's like rock and roll shows going on. People are just getting wasted and not really paying attention anyway. Like make it into an event where people specifically go to hang out. Like Gordo, you said you got really uh, a really great response from your listening party that you did, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. It was really fun. And did what, where did you guys, all we did, all we literally, all we did was spit records at Bowman's. Like I, I just set up all my, my, my DJ gear and brought some records and Terry brought his records and Josh brought a record, I think. And, uh, and we, and we had records all around us. So it was fun. Like, you know, we, we just played some of our favorite records and we played our record a few times over the course of the night. It was only supposed to be two hours. It ended up being like four or five. And I pretty much never left the turntables. I just sat there and DJed all night. It was a lot of fun. People, people respond. A lot of people came out and a lot of people, 
a lot of people yeah a lot of people came out we had a lot of really good it was it was way more interactive than a show is generally you know like that we just had way more time to talk to people and and hang right. out and that was really that was really cool you know right no so, and and the, there's something about that like yeah. if you go to a show the interactions are just like so fleeting you know what i mean well there's always some kind of responsibility that you have like if you're not you know if you're not preparing to go on stage or playing you're you know tearing down your stuff or you're selling merch or you're whatever it is you need to do or you're dealing with you know getting paid for the night or whatever it is you're really so, not able to socialize not having to much. deal with any of that yeah. Yeah, not having to deal with any of that was awesome. Like Josh said, that's how we're doing our shows from now on. We're just going to show up and play records. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it does sound like and a lot I, of fun. I, you know what? I'm real close to agreeing with him. Real hey, Gordo, close. I got to ask you something because this came up today. So I was trimming weed, and I want to ask you about this too, Mikey. I was, um, and I've heard this from a few people, but I was, uh, I was trimming weed with Jake Fairley today, and... Um, I've talked to a, another couple friends from uh, from various bands around town. I won't name their names because I don't want to let the cat out of the bag on this. But uh, uh, we one guy was talking about how God he was like God. Don't you just miss playing shows, or aren't you like bummed about the end of gigs? And me and Jake were both like, Yeah, no, we're <laughs> we're kind of excited about the break. You know what I mean? Like it's. And I've heard this from a few different people in a few different fields where it's like the fact that we can't do something keeps us from feeling like we have to do something. That's a good observation. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just like I I, I tend to just kind of keep the ball rolling whatever I'm doing. So, uh, you know, switching over from and, and like kind of looking at our schedule and saying like, oh, we're not going to be playing these spring or potentially summer shows that we have lined up like we had a couple festival things that we were going to do and i I don't know what's going to happen with any of that um so but what's cool about the way things are right now is that like i can come down here and i've already finished a lot of work that i got started but never you know never had the time to actually complete i got those things done in like the first week and now i'm working on other things and I even picked up some work. Like Josh and I are working on a video for somebody else, so that's kind of cool. Actually, one of the one of the silver linings of everything going on too, right? Is I think come fall time, we're going to see a lot of new shit come out. Oh, right! Like yes. new studio album. I, I can. Like I, I think everyone's going to be hunkering down, just working on creative, and I think we're going to see some here some bomb. Well, and that's an important thing. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's such an important thing because like if you're in go 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 show mode all the time you're probably with very few exceptions not going to be in write mode or admin mode or or content creation mode you're just too fucking tired if you're doing the like performance side of it and and i'm and i'm pretty sure mikey that like even though most of what you do is is in the studio or like out shooting in the field. I'm sure all of this going on has been forcing you to focus your attention on a, a relatively smaller number of things. Oh yeah, it's been great. Like even from a client perspective, like we're lucky enough to have clients, one in the cannabis industry, and it's a industry that is proving to be a, in a bit of recession proof right. right now, right? Everyone's gonna be sitting- Provided they keep the, the dispensaries open. 
<laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? and it looks like they are. They they called it as essential business. So I think we'll thrive and we'll be okay on that industry. And then, so most of our clients there, and we're running social media and digital marketing for those clients. So everything we're doing is digital anyways. So other than being able to go in the field and shoot some content that we know we need to shoot, uh, we're just finding other ways of creating content uh, in-house. So everyone can work from home and work remote and it hasn't really affected much. The only thing that it's really affected is actually being able to physically be in the studio for animation. Right. That's kind of something that needs to be done there with a group of people. Yeah, I'll be right back, guys. My beer's oh, here. Okay. <laughs> You're good. So, uh, but, you know, Jamie has, uh, our lead animator, Jamie's taken a bunch of sets and characters up to his house to set up a studio at home so we can keep a few of the animation projects that we have currently kind of still alive. I mean, it seems like everybody's um, working. You know what I mean? It seems like everybody from the oh, yeah. studio is is up to something yep everyone's still working for sure yeah so it's just uh you know working from and it's funny too because i'm actually it's crazy the amount of things that you said that like you can get done when you're kind of unplugged from you know just being so you know focus pulled right being at the studio even is hard right because i'm pulled in a million directions every single day by you know this person or this person that department whatever kind of all over the place but being able to sit at home and really really focus on something when we've been able to get a lot of sops and just um workflow things that we needed to get done for months finally dialed in right, right? i've been just sitting and building out calendars and um you know, standard operating procedures for everyone to follow that has just actually made what we're doing a lot more efficient. Right, now. right, right. And I mean, it, it also, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have, have noticed this, but it has um, really helped to focus on what's most important. You know, I think, I think we're seeing a lot of, um, I think we're seeing a lot of changes just culturally across the board and seeing people, Absolutely. kind of turn their attention towards what really matters, which is, you know, family and relationships and all that, but also what you can get by without. It's like, man, maybe I don't need to spend two hours in the car every day. You know, maybe I yeah. don't need to spend this much time away from home. And you start like kind of seeing, I mean, because truth be told, I don't have a whole lot more time than I did before because I'm one of the people who's fortunate enough to keep working. But when I'm at home, like that's the only place I'm really allowed to be besides going to work or coming here and doing the podcast. You know what I mean? It's really the only place that I'm allowed to be and I, I don't have that ability to like create busy work for myself out of some feeling that I need to keep myself busy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And and it is giving me at least a small amount of extra time with my wife and my kid, which is awesome. That's like, great. Have you gotten, to, have you gotten yeah. to spend more time with the kids with, with all this going on? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I've become a master fort builder in the last That's two weeks. That's really cool, man. You built some really good stuff. That's really cool. And at the no, same time, been, you're still getting stuff yeah. done around that. You know, you're still getting stuff done for Nug Nation. Like, yeah, I, we've still been going back and yeah, forth. Yeah, it was like I said, it was, yeah, it was weird. I, I thought I wasn't going to. I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult, but it's actually proven to um, be more productive. Right. <laughs> right. You know, this is the first shirt I've put on, you know, technically in two weeks. I've been <laughs> sitting in a white right. t shirt. I'm and glad you got dressed short, up. Gym shorts show. for two weeks. <laughs> So I finally shaved and put on a shirt for the show. So thank you for at least getting me out. There's of no, there's no pants on below. <laughs> hey the fellas, table, is fellas, 
Cheers. Hey, cheers. Salud. To Nug to Nug Nation and a hundredth episode of the MF yeah, podcast. Man. Is is yours blurred out because it's not appropriate? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Shout out to Blur- Centennial, Dallas's largest liquor stores, at least it was back in 1972 or whenever this glass was made. And shout out to Grandma's House, which is doing home deliveries of beer. Oh, that's great. Love you guys. Dude, um, I heard today that the, uh, the governor of Alabama, or the governor of Georgia, announced today that they were going to declare liquor stores non-essential. Whoa. Yeah, they tried that, they tried that in Denver. For yeah, like it made hour. it an hour. Yeah, I think it maybe lasted three <laughs> hours max. That's, 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 that's about as long as My that My dad, it, it, I don't know if we mentioned this on the last episode. I don't know if it's happened since because all the days are running together. But my dad sent me a Marco Polo because we're old. And um, he uh, said, uh, he said, you should see Tipsy's now. He's like, it, it looks like New Year's Eve out there. He's like the, the the place is just absolutely full of people, just like and not six feet apart either. Just <laughs> yeah. butts to nuts, man. Dude, that liquor store is crazy. Yeah, yeah I know it's huge. It's huge. That's the one off four seventy right, in Kipling, right, right? right? And there's, but I guess yeah. I guess that was the situation with liquor stores all over town, and like they were going to shut down the dispensaries too, and it was just like Hancock saw the backlash and and was like, nope. But I've got a feeling that, like, Yo, in a place yeah. like Georgia, like, they'll enforce that shit, and people will, like, old moonshiners, they'll go across the border to get it, man. They'll end up traveling more. Is that an open carry state? Georgia? <laughs> I don't know, but I know they still yeah. throw people in prison for weed. Can you believe that shit? Like, it's, they still throw people in prison for weed in that fucking state. That way, and, 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 yeah. I know, it actually makes me feel bad sometimes. That we live here, and we're that lucky? Makes me- know that i'm literally just like making a living off making fucking weed talk and silly cartoons and we just have it at our disposal to make all this ridiculous stuff meanwhile but, you know, there's, people there's people in certain in parts of the country thrown in jail for it's so fucked up and crazy um and actually uh yeah I, everybody else will come around eventually eventually it'll just take time <laughs> it'll just take time it'll take a um, while definitely they've like already, I mean, they've already Kansas. seen it there's too much at this point there's too much money behind right. it yeah, yeah. There's way too much. Like they're Kansas not. Kansas will be the last. That's for sure. That's all I know Mon- for sure. Money even I speaks louder than religion. Fortunately, yeah, it's true. Um, oh, uh, one of the things I remember very early on when things started getting closed down, you said to me very early on that you were optimistic that we were going to be able to keep going during all of this because. Netflix and chill was about to become the the way of the world for a while and the weed industry was going to spike and the content like the viewer acquisition market was going to spike like people were going to be watching a lot more content at home that's like something that we talked about early on yeah it makes a lot of sense well what is what have you observed since you and I had that conversation and all the COVID-19 stuffs first started breaking forth, like, has that, has that been showing up as true in your observation or absolutely? Or yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many posts and how many Facebook comments I've seen of people like looking for a new show to binge, just finished Ozark, just finished this, just right. finished this. That's all people are doing. What's going to actually be interesting is what's going to happen come the end of summer and fall time. Right. Right. Because you're gonna have you're gonna have this gap you're gonna have this gap in content that's about to happen because they shut out production down, 
right? Right. So anything that was in season for filming come fall release time, like the peak release season for new shows, it'll be interesting to see what happens, right? If they're going to have enough stuff to fill the queue and everything because production's shut down. Right, there's going right? to be a lag. It's uh, like the same thing. There's so like a bunch of tours so are getting s- canceled. So mm-hmm. people aren't booking new tours because no one knows when anything's going to happen. So once we get the go-ahead, there's going to like there's going to be a six-month lag before people start booking performances. Like big names start booking performances. You know, they book they book yeah. six months out, six months to a year out before they put something together. You know, like if someone's going to play at Red Rocks or something like that. I have to say, like, that's this. the one thing that I'm really, really excited about is not having to do booking emails <laughs> <laughs> right now. Well, no, and, it, and honestly, something like this could completely 100% change the face of production and uh, the entertainment industry as we know it, right? You start looking at all these celebrities that are now doing live streams of them just hanging out at home and they're spiking numbers. You have like oh, Ellen yeah. DeGeneres doing live streams every day at her house with millions of viewers and all this type of stuff. So when you start kind of comparing apples to orange, it's like, wow, we're spending millions of dollars to have this zero one zero budget. Zero There's budget. Zero dollar budget when you can get people just on Instagram pulling those type of numbers. And those type of influencers from the comfort of their own home, like you, it literally might change everything. It's, do you think it's, 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 it's going to kill the major production studios? Do you think it'll it'll no, kill major? Production? I don't think it'll kill it. I don't think it'll kill it, but I think you're going to see a shift in where dollars are spent, right? Right, uh, and how dollars are spent. Um, because there's always going to be say, right. There's um, always going to be a need for high end production and storytelling and people wanting right. that type of stuff. But I just think you're going to see a new form of content about to hit that's going to become normal. I saw I saw pretty early on a friend of mine on Facebook just posted this line that stuck out in my brain. He said guys were TV now. Yeah, all like the we live are streaming TV. that was going yeah. on, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all the live Everyone. streaming that was going on, all the stuff that people are putting out on TikTok, all the memes that are getting shared, like we we the people have become like I mean, we were already before with YouTube and 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 you know, uh, short form, small video, and things like that. But but like now, it's like all there is. We tell clients that no matter what you're selling, no matter what you're doing, you have to be a media company too. Right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. in personal business doesn't matter. Everybody has to think of themselves as a media brand now or have There's some sort uh, of. There's an account that I follow called Influencers Influencers in the Wild on oh, Instagram. My wife got me onto that. I love it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And all it is is video of people, like people taking video of people taking video, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, Influence and it hasn't slowed down one bit. It hasn't slowed down one bit. That guy, well, I can't, I can't remember that guy's name, the the bald dude that runs it, but that guy is making a mint. It's amazing. Have yeah. you guys so, seen yeah. a, we, any we, overall we are change TV. in your own numbers? Have you guys seen any change in your overall numbers? Like, like Gordo, have you seen any change in the Granny Tweed numbers, or are they? Oh yeah, the yeah. Since we've started producing more content, our numbers have gone just way down, way down. We're, we're nobody's <laughs> nobody's looking at our shit at all. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna just uh, we're gonna put the pause button on there for a minute, uh, and we're gonna you know we're gonna re- just gonna reevaluate. Start it back it's up. Gonna, maybe it's maybe in uh, now. In spring twenty twenty one. Watch out. We're gonna start out watch slow out. and dial it back from there. 
<laughs> no, no, honestly. What about, yeah, what about you, the, Mike? The engagement has been really good, especially I've been, I joined Riffbook. Which is my favorite new thing now. That is the coolest new. Art McCrory, thank you, thank you. Because tell, tell people about what Riffbook is. What's Riffbook? Riff, Riffbook is basically whatever you can chug on the guitar in under a minute. Just do a video of yourself. You know whatever riff it is. There's that like they daily have, like, challenges. There are daily like challenges that he throws up and is like, hey, like you know today is like you know TV theme day or surf theme day or um, today was uh, European the metal day. Lick you know or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, show something that's uh, you know challenging lick that you've been working on or whatever. And it's been super cool to see what's on that channel. Like that's that's the channel I watch now. <laughs> it's really cool. That's it's People TV. It's people but TV, Mike, Mikey. What have you seen for the Nug Nation in terms of of conversion recently? Now that everybody's like just on their devices twenty four hours a day, as if they weren't I enough sh- already. I should know that answer, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I have I, a person I, for that. No, you're too it, busy working. I get it. It's true. I, there's a lot of stuff that I, um, you know, trying to keep everything afloat remote right now. So I've been a little disconnected from our social channels but max and kevin they run those um they'd probably be a better person to ask i know there's been a spike over the past week and i only know that because we dropped a new piece of content this past week um that new red man skit so obviously we saw a spike from that oh that's live Uh, that's gone awesome yes dude that shit was that shit was so fun i don't know the origin story like after all these uh, years of working with the Nug Nation, I've been involved with the Nug Nation now like four or five years. Oh, you mean like the right? actual Nug Nation like origin story? Yeah, like how how it got started. Like I have no idea. You yeah, just so asked you- me to come help on some stuff, <laughs> and I showed up, and I just have kept showing up. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so the story is I was working at a, another agency called Garlic Media Group running their video production department. Uh, they used to be an SEO company, um, you know, just doing website stuff. And then they started to bring on video to do SEO stuff. And then I eventually uh, moved them, I, you know, I convinced them to move into a studio. And then we built out a full production studio. And they are now actually exclusively a video production house. So you're welcome, guys. Hey. <laughs> uh, so, anyways. Uh, they were doing a lot of client specific work, right? They were doing, you know, talking head videos of CPAs and attorneys. And it's like nothing really too creative. It's kind of just like your, you know, standard talking head production. There was some cool stuff that we did, but um, I decided I wanted to leave and start my own agency, uh, my own creative agency, especially when we went legal. The second we went legal, it was like, okay, there's going to be a play. There's going to be a media play in this world. And I looked at all the content and media that was happening out in cannabis at the time when it first went legal and it was awful iphone stuff or just super stonery dumb content like so the content being created around the industry was it was like the pleasures dudes 24 hours <laughs> and, a day yeah it was bad it was really bad so we were like screw it left started my own creative agency doing a handful of different um you know building out a handful of different projects and initiatives and shopping around to brands and that's how we you know, started doing stuff was we'd come up with a digital campaign or an idea that we liked that we thought was creative and cool. And then we'd go out and sell it to brands to put their name on it as um, braided content. Right. Right. So we did this for the weed. We started thinking about this for the weed industry. And then we started thinking, Oh my God, there's a, you know, why don't we start our own digital streaming channel of weed content? Right. And uh, so 
we started teaming up with different um, people inside the video world. This is where Joy came along and understanding um, kind of streaming and online video services. And we started putting up, building out all this content, right? A cooking show and like um, how-to videos. And we started coming up with all these different ideas for shows that we could fill this type of network and content with. And then I was just sitting in my office one, one day with my creative partner at the time. And I looked over and I was like, do you ever watch Robot Chicken? And he's like, no, because he didn't watch TV. And I was like, well, it's these, you know, short vignette stop motion animation skits where they take all these, you know, um, action figures and do all these ridiculous skits out of them. It's like, what if we did the same thing but with weed? Because people name weed really stupid names, right? Granddaddy <laughs> Purple, Alaskan Thunderfuck. Like, there's all these names that people lend um weed strains too and i was like those are characters like in my head i see these characters just listening to weed strain names so i was like let's do one and see what happens so we went to the dispensary found the biggest nugs we could and literally like glue googly eyes on them and like little clay feet and we just like made this little cardboard set right and just did this like little 60 second skit of like these little weed nugs moving around and talking and so uh we had all these different like pilots that we had filmed and that we were working on and then you know started meeting some people in the cannabis industry some uh advisors and shopped them around just to be like get some input like what do you guys think of this this is what we're looking to do and everyone had the same reaction they're like okay fuck everything else you're doing this cartoon thing is hilarious and i've right, never right, seen anything right. like it and it's definitely unique and if you want to stand out be unique be different do something that no one else is doing right so we decided with the uh, little, you know, with a little bit of investment money that we had and everything, we scrapped everything, scrapped taking on clients, scrapped all the other shows, scrapped the network and said, we're just going to do this cartoon full time and see what happens. Yeah. And uh, we made it a few years just doing that um, before we got to the point where we got a new studio, we got a bigger staff and, you know, we started to needed to make a little bit more money to keep things afloat. So we started bringing on client work again, but we're bringing on client work in the cannabis sector uh, of what I used to do, right? Being able to do, you know, social media management and content creation for brands and commercial work. Uh, but now it's slowly leading into people actually paying us to do spinoffs of the animated series and having being paid to create cartoons. Like it's crazy. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of how it happened. It started off as, going to just be this random side thing that we were going to put on this network that we created and ended up being our full-time gig for a while. Right. That's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, it, so it did, it did get going pretty quickly then is what it sounds like. Yeah. Like we were putting out a, sh a bunch of content. Like I said, it was only um, Dylan and I at the time, which is two of us and then getting you and Zach to come in for voiceovers. So with the little yeah. investment, I had at the time we we were lasting a while just doing it ourselves and just like whatever we'll just keep popping these out and hopefully someday it'll catch on and brands will want to sponsor it essentially um, right right you know and then it just it kind of got to those things where we started getting more talent and more people that wanted to be involved and they were donating their time and nobody was getting paid for the longest time and then we'd have jobs come in or getting paid to do certain things or a little sponsorship money that would come in on a couple of the episodes and we would pay people when we could. And it just became one of those things where we ended up kind of just by accident having a full staff of people that worked on it. And we wanted to keep everybody. We wanted to keep everybody alive. We didn't want anyone to leave. So, well, let's start making right. money over here so we can pay everyone to keep doing the project. Right, right, so. right, right. 
So eventually we turned into that's when you started selling it out to like more of the the full marketing firm stuff, right? Yeah, right. You're a genius. (laughs) You're an iconoclast. so now we're now we run under the um, the name Burn Studios, and that's basically the studio and the production house. And then you know the Nation is the the show that we do underneath the production company. Okay, all right. Um, so now Burn Studios, that's that's a subdivision of or a division of Burn TV, right? Yes. So how how did the Nug Nation end up getting hooked up with Burn TV, and what is Burn TV? Okay, so this is another long story that I'll try and bullet, or I'll try and wrap it's okay, up. Okay, man, we're on we're on a so, podcast. You can got dude, plenty of time, <laughs> plenty Tell of the time. Story right. So the story, so it all started off here. We had an article come out about us in MG Magazine, right? This B two B business magazine in the weed industry um, that goes out to basically just you know um, people that work within the industry itself, right? Right. Uh, so MG Magazine writes it's a this trade magazine. Yeah, yeah. They write an article about us about these basically this group out of Colorado that's doing creative marketing, right? And that's what the show was. If you pay attention to the show, the show has a very, very, very specific layout, and there's a reason behind it. Okay, the show is about a gas station. It's about these two individuals that run a gas station, Affy and Diesel, right? Um, and there's there's a, so, a couple of reasons why. One, there's always um, well, one you need some you need a central focus point where everybody in the town can be a part of it, right? Well, a gas station's perfect. Everyone's got to go through there at some point, so you can make it the jumping off point for any kind of story for any individual that lives in the town, right? Right. So that was part of it. Number two was the reason for creating creative marketing and videos for the weed industry was because of all the. Uh, the advertising and marketing regulations that exist within the weed industry, uh, which basically means you can't really do it. <laughs> um, right, you, can't you can't have commercials ads. on TV. Yeah, you can't run ads on TV. You can't run them on Google, Facebook. Everything has to be very, very specific as far as um, localized advertising uh, and it not crossing state lines because different states I have never different even regulations. So you can't market and advertise brands across state lines right now. That's the way it exists. You okay. can, however create brand awareness. And that's all video and digital marketing is for branded content. As long as you're not doing a specific call to action of where to go buy this thing or cost this much, or as long as it's not a direct advertisement, you could put out a piece of content with the logo in it or a product in it. And if it's not the central focus point of selling an ad, then it's okay. So product placement inside creative content totally works, right? Uh, there's like no Howdy Duty brought to you by cornflakes, like that type yeah, of but- idea. Yeah, and so we're like, there's the loophole on how to make it work, right? If you weren't allowed to run advertising on your shit, Aaron, right now, fine. The Apple logo's still there. That road mic's still there. That's the loophole, right? You're advertising <laughs> it. You're creating brand yeah. awareness. You're a loophole. So you're, so, I'm a loophole. You're a loophole. So that, your poop hole's a loophole. The gas station becomes a perfect place for brand <laughs> placement and brand advertising because it's not going to feel forced. It's not going to feel like you're doing it on purpose because a lot of content creation, when they're trying to put brand placement in it, it's very forced. You can tell what they're doing and it almost looks like you're just trying to sell it. If there isn't brands everywhere and if there isn't product all over the place, it would look weird. So you basically create this open slate to do as much brand placement as you want because it's supposed to be there. It feels organic to the scene and it feels organic to the content. 
Like it would so, look weird if there weren't like bags of bugles and Cheetos and fucking Starbursts and Budweiser all so over the inside of a Seven Eleven in a movie or something. Yeah. So now we create this show about this gas station and have full range of putting whatever brand and whatever marketing you will, if you will, inside of it, and it feels totally organic and it's supposed to be there, right? right? Part of the aesthetic of the scene is part of the aesthetic of the content. So that's why the content right. is what it is. So, anyways, MJ Re- MJ Retailer comes around and writes a story about us on how we are we are basically creative marketing people doing it different with this show and this opportunity for brands to come and play along, right? Right. So now there's this other story to Nug Nation, and it's the way the content is written, and it's the way the content comes across. If you watch our content, and if you were to replace every character and every line with talking rocks, it would be the same show. The show's not about weed. The show's not about cannabis. It just is made of cannabis. That's the aesthetic. And every now and then, we'll sprinkle these funny, you know, cannabis-specific jokes. Stoner humor in it. But the, it's not stoner content. It is not weed content no. for weed people. It's literally like like your grandmother could watch it and find it funny because it's social commentary. It's South Park. It's literally right, 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 right. And that's how you break outside of this stoner demographic and break into the mainstream of media and mainstream of content because everyone can fuck with it. Everyone can find humor in it. So that was very, right. very important in the way that we created this show it cannot no, it's be not a, a stoner show it's not a stoner no. show and um and i think that so, that's i think that that's a complaint that a lot of people have about the weed industry and a, and a need that you that you've been filling is i for one and i know many feel this way weed culture as we used to know it just kind of catered to the lowest common denominator and it was a little shrill and and dumb and it's like come on over to the come on over to the stripper truck where the strippers are going to be smoking blunts and dumping 40s on their tits and everybody's <laughs> going to be wearing wraparound sunglasses and and weed lays and, and like like shirt that says can't we all just get a bong man like like really over the top <laughs> like spencer gifts stoner fucking horseshit here's what happens uh burn tv jason santos the ceo over at burn tv is flipping through mg magazine one day oh no no he got an email he got a newsletter because they also did a newsletter to their email followers about this and um uh what happened was he even said it too he's like i seriously saw this article about you guys i read it and i thought to myself oh my god how stupid this is going to be the worst shit i've ever seen so he went to our website and he watched all the content that we had (laughs) he watched everything but he said after about 30 seconds into the first episode right away he was like holy shit yes these guys are doing it right i can already tell Right. So he hits me up on our he he fills out a forum on our website to hit us up. Um and so I called him back like right away. I got the email and it was like within five minutes I called him. He's like, Holy shit, I didn't think you'd call me this fast. And we end up having about a two hour conversation, our first conversation of how we came up with the negation, the reason it is what it is, and all these things I just explained to you. And he basically goes, Holy shit, I wish you were my business partner because it's like I'm talking into a mirror. Right. And he's like, so let me tell you. Yeah. Because Burn TV is the same way. Yeah. So he goes, let me tell you what Burn TV is and what we're doing. Burn TV is basically a new streaming channel that we're launching. Again, a lot of tiebacks because it's like, holy shit, that's what we were starting 
you know, a while ago. Right. But we learned very quickly that nothing we were doing was that interesting except for the one piece of content. Right, right, this cartoon, it was different. And this is exactly where everything kind of fell into line. Jason's like, exactly. Weed's not that interesting. It's not interesting enough to generate an entire network off of. It would never happen. Right. Nobody would watch it. You can only so watch word, so many videos of fucking plants and like exactly. people smoking. And the per- like, it gets no, and the perfect example is like, seconds. and right now everyone's, you know, it's starting to die down. But at the first, like people were interested in cannabis content. And the only reason why is because it was an emerging industry. So what happens in five years when... It just is treated like alcohol. Can you imagine tr- trying to start an entire network based off the alcohol industry and just like how it's made and this and that? Like nobody would care. No one's going to care because yeah. the only thing that's going to have longevity is entertainment, right? right? Information is going to come and go. And then after that, that people are not going to care anymore. So he's like, what we're doing is we're creating a we're creating a streaming service and a content library of stuff that the cannabis consumer enjoys. A cannabis consumer enjoys music and comedy and action sports and lifestyle and travel and documentary. It's basically just millennial content, right? Everybody right. enjoys that type of content. So it's like, why not cater to that and use, you know, have the the cannabis industry kind of be like the forefront to help push it, right? Right. So that was the start of the conversation and we just aligned with a lot of stuff it's like he's like even the way you guys create your content it's beautiful because you're not talking about weed the show's not about weed it's exactly what the network is it's not a network about weed because it's not interesting weed's not that interesting from an entertainment it, it, it's it's more yeah. like whenever i describe it to people i say it's like cannabis friendly lifestyle content like it's yeah. like it's it's cannabis adjacent you know what i mean like the people in the shows probably smoke weed and it ties back to weed a little bit, but it's really just, it's, it's entertainment like you would see on any channel. It's just entertainment that, that is, that is cannabis friendly. Yeah. So now you have, um, this, you know, you have all the big boy and the Titans, right? You got Netflix, which is, you know, big for movies. You got Hulu, which is big for TV shows. And now they're all cross-platforming, kind of doing their own thing. They have a show, they have a movie, you have Amazon Originals, Prime Originals, um, Netflix Originals, Hulu Originals. So you have all these Titans doing that, but there isn't anyone that's actually broken into a good digital space of this yet. Curating content, that short-form content, that three-minute, five-minute or under type of web series where you can go and binge that type right. of stuff. Yes, there's YouTube, but that's user-generated content. That's people putting up whatever the hell they want, putting out crap. So where is the industry, or where is there a streaming platform where people can binge just that high-quality, more specialized niche content that's you know right. short? That's the sector that they're going after. So there's a lot of backstory with working together with them and going back and forth. But basically where it ended was they wanted Doug Nation exclusively. They're like, we want it. We want it to be burn original programming. Right. Right. And basically they were going, they're going, they were going through fundraising at the time, still are. That's a whole nother story. Uh, And essentially we found a place where the show could live. They would pay for production in full and we could just create somebody else pays for production, just like a normal TV network would for a producer. And we can just literally create the nug nation every day day in and day out and all they care about is just get as much content as you can right perfect beautiful opportunity then it kind of just led into a lot of other you know things with raising money and startup and survivability and long story short we're stronger together we decided to merge the brands and merge the companies and from a 
entrepreneurial standpoint, I knew what they were building. They were building something big and are building something right. big. And there's a whole business model behind Burn TV that I can't talk about that is so mind-blowing and a way to monetize content in the only way that you can monetize nowadays because monetizing co- short-form content and content in general is very difficult to do nowadays. And they have a very, very creative way of doing it to where content becomes the leverage, but it's not where you're selling. So right. if you can find a team to hook up with that will basically say, we'll pay for production to the, for whatever kind of production we need to fill our content queue, but that content itself never has to make a dime. It right. frees up a content creator and from a artist standpoint to not have to worry about how you have to make your craft and your art make money. Right. That is the beauty of what Burn TV is building and why I can't really talk about it just yet, but that's what's happening, right? Is a situation where artists and video creators can come in and create whatever the hell they want because we need a queue filled, but that content never has to make a dime. And it won't have matter. You, have you seen any of the um, uh, the non-linear streaming platforms like American Horrors? Have you seen that channel going on I, right now? It's, I mean, it's basically TV. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? And all they're all they're trying to do, it's I mean, it's similar but different, but it, it, it like seems to be an indicator of where the industry's moving, just the, the the media industry in general, is basically they're just going around gathering up content from as many creators as they can and like you said, curating it. Curating and yep. yeah, and creating programming for people and uh just just making it available. And whether or not it's a quote-unquote hit show or whatever isn't the important part yeah so um yeah that's exactly right right curating content being a place where most of it can land if you can if you can control the eyeballs then you know or a massive it gives you a lot of it gives you a lot of runway and and i don't and and you you can stop me if you don't feel comfortable talking about this but i wanted to ask you about this seven inches on a good day (laughs) <laughs> so so on that note there was there was a period of time when we were shopping the show around and we were yes. entertaining some options and and i mean it, this was like discussions were going on with burn tv and whatnot but we were also shopping around some other options i should say you i mean we the company but you were shopping some things around and yeah. One of the things that we talked about in conversations that you and I had was this idea of that a platform like Burn TV was going to give us the most runway out of any possible option because, you know, they like if we had hooked up with a company like Viacom or some shit like that, if our content. Don't get me wrong. I would still do. Yeah, it would be awesome. But what I'm saying, like, one of the things we talked about is it, like, it wouldn't, like, we wouldn't have the runway to build the show and let it grow and 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 things like that because if it didn't hit right away, it would get pulled from programming. You know what I mean? Like a, like a platform yes. like Burn TV creators or platforms like this that, that use this different model, they're, they're creating the space for creators to come in and, like, develop their craft and develop their 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 programming and build an audience for it yeah yeah and um and another thing if if i remember correctly that came up is a lot of the major networks didn't want to mess with what we did because at that point it was still too scary oh yeah 
So like Jeff Sessions so was doing a lot of saber rattling and all that, all that yeah, yeah. was going. Did you feel comfortable talking about that at all? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So what you're talking about is um, a couple of years ago when we were kind of in our first year of production on everything, we had a we did an episode of Potty Talk with Bong Burgundy with uh, Jaron Benton, hip hop artist, right? right? Jaron Benton's manager was buddies with a individual that worked at a place called hideout studios or hideout productions i think they're out of nashville right, right, right. hideout productions had um had just wrapped up their second season of still the king this uh show with billy ray cyrus um on cmt uh on cmt country music television which was like a eastbound and down style like washed up artist that was trying to make it big in music again but was just completely like off the rails right that's the easiest way to explain what the show was because it wasn't hugely popular but it ran for two seasons so it did well for a couple of years it did well enough anyway so um he's like he just goes to this producer friend of his he's like hey so i was just in denver with these guys and they do this show you should take a look at it so this guy took a look at it and he's like holy shit this is amazing lo and behold i get a phone call from this producer and he goes hey this is who I am. These are my credentials. This is what I do. You can look up my name. I looked up his name and you're talking about it, been a producer on some huge shows across Hollywood, like, you know, dancing with the stars and whatever. Right. right. So I was like, all right, yeah, the dude's real. He's like, I would love to sh- help you shop the Nug Nation. I think what you guys, I think you guys are onto something huge. And I think with your guys' content, I can get you meetings more like, cool. So we put together this little like demo reel type thing with everything. And, um, they ended up doing a shopping agreement with us and they got us meetings with Netflix, Comedy Central, uh, TBS, and I think there was another one, um, True TV or something. And what was beautiful about it is most times when you get into a pitch or when you get to that level of being able to pitch these companies, it's based off of a spec script or a synopsis or a pilot script or some sorts, right? Right. We got the meetings based on the content they already saw. They already saw it in its live form. So that means they liked it enough, even in its rawest form of seeing what the actual finished content is to take the meeting, right? It wasn't just an idea on paper. So that was exciting because we knew we were on the right track. It's like, holy shit. I literally got to go to LA and sit in the boardroom of Netflix and and Comedy Central and pitch this to the exec the world it's like every content creator's dream when you do video right it's like i right right you you get to go to the big boys and pitch your idea because they're interested it's like that's a big boardroom with the long oak table and and it's you're sitting there with all the suits and wonderful it's it's crazy that that was that we got to do that was one of the coolest experiences of my life you know so um just to even get the the meeting you know what i mean even even to get the meeting and get told no that's like yeah well, the beauty is they want content creators to come back because if they just told no to everybody and everything sucked and they didn't give notes or feedback, they would never get any shows, right? So they'll right. always tell you after the fact, like, hey, the storyline wasn't strong or this or that or whatever because they want you to improve your craft, improve the writing, improve the character development, improve whatever the problems are, and then come back to us again another time, right? Right, right, right. So they, want, they need people to not be discouraged. So they give feedback. They give honest feedback on where the problems are.
That's in- that's interesting. I never would have thought that, but that's really that's interesting to yeah. think of. That otherwise, would otherwise people would just never go in and pitch stuff, right? You get shot down once, you'd never go back, and before you know it, they'd have like fucking zero content creators, right? You get this so, idea in your head of like the producer who's just like sitting there and just like, "Sorry, kid, I don't take meetings," and like gives you no feedback and just slams the door in your no, face. It was, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, it was super that's, cool. That's Mr. Wonderful right there. Um, so we we <laughs> pitch everybody. Right. We pitch everybody, and then obviously they don't say anything right then and there. They take it to their bosses, and they throw it around the company. So we started getting feedback a couple of weeks later. And um, the feedback was mixed, a little bit mixed and matched from the reason why they didn't want to move forward. But all of it was very positive, right? Basically, the gist of it was it's a cartoon about weed in an industry that we don't know what the hell is going to happen. And Jeff Sessions, literally like the week after we pitched came out and said that they were going to um they were going to revoke the coal memorandum right um that basically you know dealt with weed and everything and people being convicted for weed and everything so they're like holy shit this new administration this is right after trump was elected like, this new administration's right. not going to play nice with cannabis so we don't want to touch it right Netflix, we don't want to invest they, in something that we might not be able to put on so right netflix's response was we're not really sure what we want to do with weed programming and cannabis programming because we've already tried and it was a flop, right? They were talking about disjointed. Disjointed came out and it was like people hated it. It was like it got terrible reviews. It was not good. Um, I thought they think they thought it was going to be better. So I think they were a little spooked on cannabis content at the time. Right. Uh, Comedy Central's feedback was this is great, but we don't think our advertisers will buy into it. And that's our problem because we're broadcast. We have to we have to put on the air what we think advertisers will buy against. So we were just in this area of it's not like the stories were bad. It's not like the content was bad. They loved everything about it. But there was just this fear of what to do with cannabis content at the time and not sure what was going to happen. So that's what was pretty encouraging was the fact that, yeah, we got the pitch. It didn't go anywhere. It probably was okay for the time being because we were still early. We still hadn't really quite refined what we've even been doing. And we're still learning stuff every day. Right. Uh, you know, and, you know, this early on, before we even really got our toes wet, did you want a network coming in and basically taking over creative control and really just kind of dictating? Which is exactly how I felt about it at the time. And, 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 to be, and to be clear, this was, what, two years ago that you were taking these meetings? And yep. so much just has changed in terms of niche programming and channels in the last two years, like in, yeah. in, in terms of like how the market has really like, there was a lot of people two years ago who didn't think that model was going to work. Yeah. The niche content mar- market. They, they, they didn't yeah. think that it, it was ever going, it, it was going to be a fad or whatever. And it has really started to move in that direction with like, Disney Plus and you know Amazon getting great shows and Roku is growing you know by the by the tens of thousands of people every day you know it's 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 become a much bigger thing in the last two years yeah joining up with like Burn TV you know was getting ahead of the curve a little bit because that's yeah. that's the direction that it's going yeah and it's not like they're in reinventing the wheel right they're just kind of attacking it in a niche industry with a niche way of doing it um right and so it kind of led to just you know um we started looking back at burn or whatever because it all kind of happened at the same time all that type of stuff with burn tv finding out about us and then the networks finding out about us and all this type of stuff uh, was all kind of spiraling all around the same time um but we kept talking with burn tv and um 
you know, they started floating us some cash for a while, right? They had some initial investors that ended up faulting um, after a few months, but they had money coming in. And the second money started coming in for those guys, they were paying for production. They were paying the nation every right. single month to stay alive and keep production going because it was going to, it was all the stuff we were creating was going to fall under the Burn TV channel. And then um, their investors, their investors faulted at the time and then they had to go through a whole other f- fundraising thing, which is where they're at now. And so we've had to just kind of stay alive since then. And during that whole process of trying to stay alive and just seeing how Burn revamped their business model based off the uh, raise they were doing and everything going on, it just made sense to say, you know, it puts them in a better position if they own media properties. So if they own the Nug Nation and all the IP around it, it looks a lot better than if they're just um, licensing that content. So from, right. like I said, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I see the bigger picture, right? Merging with Burn TV and being an executive and a partner at Burn TV right now, even at a smaller stake, is a way better opportunity for everyone involved in Nug Nation than all of us just owning the show as a one-off piece of content. Right, just a piece of content, right? Yeah, so... right. And then from a production standpoint, right, we have a whole production house that we're able to create other shows under. We don't just have the Nug Nation. We can right. create other stuff. We can help guide a lot of the... Um, because there is a very big play in the Burn TV, you know, empire that we're building for doing branded content in digital marketing. It all kind of works together. Right. So it's like we started having this digital marketing company that we started building, plus the show. It was just kind of it all made sense to say, you know what? Let's just partner together, come up with a deal that makes sense to just turn this into one big giant, you know, company. And that's what landed at. So that's why now the studio there is now under burn studios because that's technically what the production falls under and the nug nation is just a show oh well i learned something new i'm gonna stop introducing this place as uh, the nug nation then so welcome yep. to burn studios burn studios or studio burn studios it's burn, burn studios T- burn tv studios right i've been yeah. i've been saying it wrong all this time and i fucking work here man <laughs> See what happens when you don't show up for the staff meetings, Aaron. God damn. Get, get your shit right, man. Get your shit correct. <laughs> yeah. And man. technically, you know, Burn TV Studios, if you will, is officially in operation full force starting April 1st. That's why. Really? That's why you have Yeah, everything's been under Nug Nation and Nug Life LLC, our other company, but everything is being basically officially launched from a contract standpoint and uh, bank account standpoint, all that type of stuff, April 1st, because it's the start of the new quarter. It, we just wanted to make it simple numbers and say, cool, quarter two when we're starting. Tomorrow. Exciting. It's tomorrow, right? Mike, no, yeah, it's day well, after tomorrow. Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. D- Mike, and that's so all really that looks exciting. Like, you didn't yeah, tell so me that. Were you waiting well, for the show all, to announce that? No, no, no. It all transitions into the same thing, right? The problem is we're running out of everything. Oh, nothing's going to be any different. No. <laughs> paperwork are confused as to why the nug nation and all of our emails and our website geared to this cartoon when we're a digital marketing company it wasn't making sense right we needed to just separate the names to say okay it's a lot easier to say we're a production company that's what nug nation is so now it's just easier to say the production company is burn studios but we have this show that we create for the longest I would, time, I would change the overlay so that it's uh, instead of saying the Nug Nation, it says Burn Studios. But I don't know how to do that. It's fine. <laughs> Ethan heard me say it, and he's like, "Look at over here, like I got you." <laughs> no, that's really exciting. No, we—I mean, we don't—we don't have to do it. I was just going to say that uh, 
uh, he just announced that um, uh, that basic he he announced that the Nug Nation is now yeah, Burn Studios. It, he's like, yeah, I heard. I've been listening. Uh, <laughs> hey, but while I've got you here, can you show me how to do the overlays of the sponsors, and we can do the sponsors stuff um, real quick? Yeah, so it's gonna be kind of tricky because. Oh, here we go. We I'm learning. Have... Hey, you didn't crash it. <laughs> Look at that. I know. It's on it, there. It's on the thing. It lives. Well, is it? Is it? Well, there's a delay. There's Let's a, see if it pops up on the stream. Is it gonna pop up on the stream? And yeah, <laughs> popped up on the stream. <laughs> Ten second delay. Hey, let's give a shout out first and foremost. To our most venereal, nay, venerable sponsor, Matula Plumbing! Matula! Matula! Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Angie's List. So bread and butter? Angie's List. Super Service Award winner back in 2011. One one is the only one that matters. Sorry, I covered you up there, Ethan. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you need your shits piped out, call the master of poopers himself, Jerry Matula. He'll wear the booties for you. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Scene. 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 Scene A <laughs> Evergroove Studio. Yeah. <laughs> we love Evergroove. Ethan is uh, Ethan is part of the Evergroove yeah, family. Check them out. They're awesome. Yeah. Evergroove's awesome. State of the art. <laughs> I have to like peek up above the side. <laughs> I know, it's great. Evergroovy. Yeah, and they are groovy forever, baby. Um, Evergroove Studio. Evergroove is uh, certainly my favorite studio. They're the official recording studio of Motherfucking Ruckus and a bunch of other bands. They do some really amazing stuff. And right now, they are doing a special to help out with artists who uh, are affected by the coronavirus and find themselves a little short of cash these days because of everything that's going on um they are offering pay what you can mastering right now they are also offering discounts on mixing and what else are they doing Uh, oh they're doing free mix critiques yeah that's another thing they're doing i didn't know this but i guess mix critiques are always free at Evercrove Studios, at Evercrove, Evergrove Studios. Either way, Ever, they're giving away the farm Evercrowed. right now. Really. Evercrode Inter- Studios. Intercrode Studios. Intertrode Studios. <laughs> Intertech Studios. Um, no, they're really doing amazing stuff, and uh, they are looking to help out the community. Uh, hit them up. Go to evergrove.com. And uh, get in touch with uh, Jenny and Brad and hit them up about your next project. Dude, you have no reason not to hit these folks up, man. It really is pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Ad scene. Ad scene. What's FTB? That's fade to black. So what, what ah, fade to black. Uh, not intro, not Matula. Oh, <laughs> and the scene. <laughs> and scene. Um... Let's see, can I go over here and then... You can, you can add it to that scene. 
so these are scenes. Those are sources. So you're scenes and sources. Scenes the MF tutorial presents. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey's still on Matula. Um, <laughs> Mutiny Information Cafe. This is a Mutiny Transmission. Mutiny Transmissions is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe here in Denver, Colorado. They are keeping the coffee window open. Uh, last I checked, they did board up all their windows uh, because they're not able to function at full capacity right now, like a lot of businesses. But they had some amazing local artists go in there and paint up the the boards outside their windows. It looks amazing. And they do have a walk-up coffee window. So if you need a cup of joe, head on over to Mutiny Information Cafe. I also think they're doing um, online sale of books and, and records and comics and everything. Everybody's doing what they can to survive, man. So uh, do what you can to support Mutiny because they support the shit out of everything that is cool here in Denver. Um, really an amazing company, man. Stop by Tell them the boys sent you. Um, oh, here we go. Wait for it. Rocket Space Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, another company that you should look to um, support. They have also boarded up their windows um, while we're all hunkering down to get through the COVID-19 pandemic. And, uh, and... I think the best thing you could probably do is book some studio time in advance. Yeah, I'll bet they have something set up for that. Support Rocket Space, man. Bands are good because of them, because they go do, practice there. Do they have a first available? Like, can you can you book for first available whenever that becomes available? That would be really cool. Actually, we should we should suggest that to Kate. Can you set up a first available booking? And then just at the on the ass end of it, start calling people up and going, "Hey, we're back in business. Come on down here and use your time." I mean, there's got to be something. That there's seems like something. yeah. There's got to be a way that we can we can get in their corner there. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. Um, let's see. Uh, is there a flip side one? There is no flip side. There is no flip side one. Okay, right. that's okay. We're, we're Imagine if you will. Imagine if you will the flip side logo. Wait. How do I remove this from the scene? Uh, just, scene. Yeah, you can do that. You're gonna or have to or what do I do? Uh, just, oh, just hit the eyeball. Just hit the eyeball for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I need an adult. For, for all of them. Just hit oh, your eyeball. Just hit the eyeball. Okay, black it all out. All right. Imagine if you will a flip side music <laughs> logo right where Ethan is sitting. Uh, flip side music. Everything you want. Nothing that you don't. Uh, largest selection of effects pedals in the region and uh, probably even beyond that. It's a really amazing company. They make really good stuff. Go order some pedals off the internet. They make amazing shit. Uh, and then... Stomp their boxes. Stomp their boxes. Stomp their I've boxes, stomped a man. few boxes in my day. Yeah. Stomp them down because it's the only way they fit in the dumpster. You got to stomp down your boxes or the garbage man gets really bad that you don't take care of your, your recycling. Gotta it's break all down true. Boxes. It's all That's a true. kitchen rule. Hey, I want to give a shout out yeah. especially to the brave souls who back us via a small recurrent contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. You guys make the goddamn world go round. We love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show, the podcast, um, the band, of course, coming out to shows and uh, 
and 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 helping us uh, helping us do everything we need to do to keep this ship afloat. Our patrons get access to early and exclusive content. I've been really laying it on thick with the content lately, um, just to let people know how much I really really appreciate it. And once I get through all the stuff I've got planned to give, I'm just going to start giving away the like voice recorder notes on my phone. I just appreciate you guys so fucking much. Thank you. Um, to become a part of our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash mfruckus. I'm here with Mikey Peterson from the Nug Nation and Burn Studios. We're talking about many things. We're talking about the show. We're talking about the future of streaming and content distribution and uh, and all the rest of it. Um, dude, what's... First of all, Mikey, can I just say, like how much I appreciate you letting me be a part of all this as long as you have. Like, oh, I'd be screwed without you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you've, you've, you've led the personality to basically 75% of all the characters, so I kind of need you at this point. Well, I really appreciate it, and you, you could have you gotten any bum off the street to do silly voices for you. Being a voice actor is not that hard. I really do appreciate everything that you've done for us and 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 helping with the DVD and you know promoting our band all these years and just like like helping us make shit happen man it really does mean a difference and i'm really happy to just be a part of of not just the show but being able to be around and observe what you're building the growth because well the a, a really important part of it is I have taken I've learned at the Nug Nation and applied them to the way that we run the band. Got it. Like that has been that has been a huge thing. Like I've over the last over the last few years since I've been a part of the show, since I've since I've been a part of all the projects over here, um, I have started to look at how to run the band more like a channel more like niche content more you know i've been learning all these terms from you and i have noticed in just the last few years since i've started doing that how much we've grown how much our fan base has become more engaged as a result and how our numbers like across the board have gone up and i really do owe so much of that to to what i learned coming in here and just hanging around so i just want to say thank you for that Oh, I appreciate that. It yeah, goes man. both ways, right? Like I've, I've always looked up to you and the rest of the guys from the band because like I said, going back to the beginning of our conversation, uh, you guys have stuck with it through thick and thin, like for the core, you know, the core group of you guys, it's been, you haven't stopped and I love it. It's been a very long right? time. And that's where I think, that's where I think you and me see the same thing and get along so well is when it comes down to, the 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 grind and the hustle of what we do because we because we love it so much like we're so in love what we do with the content and the process of being able to do that alone it's a it's like a drug to us right and so getting you involved was a no-brainer because out of anyone i know in this town as far as an artist or creator or putting out content and just never giving up no mattering it doesn't matter if it makes money granted we know we have to survive and we have to find ways to monetize and keep the art form alive but even if there wasn't, we'd still be doing it, right? I'd still be right. filming and producing and doing my thing. You'd still be making music with the rest of the guys. Like, 
I, I've, I've seen all of us grow literally since teenagers and we're still doing the thing we've been doing since we met. And that's over right. a decade of that. And that's it. I think it's right. hard to find people that are that dedicated to it because so many people get so stuck in their own heads of how other people judge the content or how the world perceives it, where a lot of people will just stop. They'll give up because they don't think they've made it to us doing it every day and getting the love and do it is our version of making it. Like I'm the happiest I've ever been in my whole life because this is what we get to do, you know? And a lot of that comes from, like I said, meeting people like you in those days. Like I said, again, earlier, some of the people that I met early in my youth, if you will, coming out of school or the people that I'll spend the rest of my life with knowing and talking about as family and brothers, because people like you taught me that. And we've all supported one another always in those in those creative endeavors and that's what i've always wanted to build with this you know having that studio there and having this house of creative people that can come and literally just have a place to do their craft where everyone can support it in some capacity right right and 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 one of the major theses <laughs> it sounded a lot hey gordo did that um come up on translate subtitles to feces wait wait it's coming it's coming wait Theses, feces, theses, feces, <laughs> theses, feces. It's trying to keep up with your diction. Um, so yeah, it actually the first one was feces, but then it changed back and forth, and I think it was actually doing the opposite of yeah, feces, theses rather than it. theses, feces. Whatever. One of the major, you know, one I, of the major theses of this show. One of the major theses of this show, one of the things we return to over and over again is the I'll importance be right back. Of, of relationships. Bye, Gordo. It's uh, the importance of relationships and how you never know who in your circle, like who in your direct sphere of influence, you never know who's going to do what or who's going to become who. You know what I mean? Everyone is going to, unless they're sitting on the couch, like... Even if you sat on the couch watching TV and scratching your balls all day, you would get really well informed about television, you know, and scratching your balls. You know what I mean? The people that do the things that they do are going to naturally get better and better at what they do if they keep doing it. And if you keep growing together and your paths continue in a, in a parallel fashion or intersect here and there, like, you are going to run into those same people throughout your life and have that relationship and have that kinship and and go, oh, so what are you a master at now? Or what are you getting better at now? Oh, I'm getting better at this. Maybe we can help each other out and and use our skill sets together to to build something great. And and one of the things that we talk about over and over again on this show is about the the how how relationships are tantamount or paramount. They're the most important thing. You know what I mean? Like the fact that you were able to call me and Zach to come down and do voiceovers for a bunch of the episodes that we've done so far, you wouldn't have had those numbers in your phone were it not for the relationships that existed before. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's it's such an important thing. It's huge. Um, and what I wanted to ask you about is it's been a while since we've touched base on this. But what's next? 
next? What's where are we at? Where's the company going? Where's the studio going? What are we working on? What do you expect to see? Even with because the world's crazy right now, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's just changing. The planet is changing, culture is changing, civilization is changing, but it's not going to end. It's going to it's it's going to carry on, and and people are going to keep making things and thriving and and expanding the boundaries of human possibility. You know that's going to happen no matter what. What is the future with with Burn Studios? Like, what are we doing next? Where are we going? Oh man, that's a big question. There's a lot to it. It's a big yeah. question. Big so picture. There's, there's, yeah, there's two. When you, you know, look, when you look out, things. when you look out into the next year, like if you and I were to sit down and have this conversation a year from now, what would have to happen for you to feel just totally pumped? personally and professionally um hey if we're still here alive and the lights are on at the studio and rent's paid i'm just as happy and excited as i am right now uh but in in a bigger capacity moving forward i you know in the next year what we're looking to see that's going to be very exciting is the official launch of the burn tv platform right the official launch of the burn tv platform is going to mean a couple of different things one it's going to let us go bigger and expand the animation department and really focus more of our time on creating the cartoons and the creativeness that we all love to do at the same time we're simultaneously building up the digital media uh marketing company and that side of it will continue to thrive uh you'll i think the idea is you'll eventually kind of see me uh, i want to get that part of the business um kind of on its own working on its own to where once that machine is built we're kind of just either throwing new projects or new companies into the machine and it's just such a well-oiled mechanism that it's kind of just running itself and i have people on staff that are running that side of the business because there's people that enjoy doing that and their passion is um that as a whole uh while i love business i love building everything my passion definitely doesn't does sit more at the animation side of the house and wanting to create art and creative obviously right um so that's why i see a lot of my time spent is more focused on the directing and writing and putting out the cartoon um while i guess you could say overseeing the digital marketing side of the company and um taking my role as a one of the executives at burn tv um to kind of really help build the business that way um so that's that's what i want to see and that's what i'm excited to see is you know we i want to see animations coming out of that studio every single day right and and i man i would love that i would love to see i would love to see us producing on a daily basis that that like that would be a dream come true if we were just in here working around, like every day just making shows and cartoons and fun shit for people you know whatever yeah. it is Mostly the cartoons, obviously, but it's something that you and I have talked about over and over again is that the dream here would be to have be doing 90 percent our shit every single day and then having the bills paid with the 10 percent of like stuff we've got to do for other people. You know what I mean? Like just and, and beyond even the cartoon, like I love walking around in this space with you like like even when things are kind of touch and go or like even when the roof is leaking or something like that, like I love walking around 
the studio with you and talking about what we're going to do. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know what we could do in here is we can do this. And you know what, uh, you know what we could really do with this piece of content is this. And you know what would be really funny is this. Like, I love that. And I love that the whole time we've done that, I have not seen you get jaded and lose sight of where the dream is headed. It's been really, dude, it's really impressive to watch. And it's super inspiring to watch. And it's, it's truly... Um, I mean, you got to see this thing when we had started the cartoon in that one tiny little room up at Ink Monster, right? And then how it I saw it even before Ink other- Monster. Yeah, I mean, so, and honestly, it's, I mean, you go back to all the way to this. Go back to when we were creating your DVD, right? The Dirty Half Dozen. Right. And that little makeshift studio that George and I had in the bottom, in the basement of our house that we retrofitted, yeah. right? Like, that's where it all really kind of started to take place, right? That was the first little whatever studio or editing suite, that. if you want to call it. And getting to this point has always been the dream, right? To have a building of our own and a studio of our own, something where we don't have anyone to say what we can and can't do, right? You're there lighting up, smoking weed and doing whatever you want over there. Like, we, we can write our own <laughs> destiny in that place. We do what we can do what we want, right? It's been what we've been trying and what I've been trying to build for you know the last fifteen years is to have a place that we can call our own and build and expand. And that place, when you actually dive into it, it's huge. We have so much oh, yeah. room for growth over there and the amount We're of stuff underutilizing we can do it at this space, point. It's completely underutilized. And um you know, so granted, do you need been, me to move in and do some music for you? Is that what you're saying? You need me to, you need me to create a studio there and and, um, and work you know, work with you in a professional capacity. That's great. And that's what I want. Dude. We're gonna need. An I need. To, I, I need. Look, man. I need to borrow some street cred, and I know that rates are at an all time low. So I'm just ready. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Cut me in. Cut me in, guys. Cut me in. Ugh. Um. No, you but know, so I'm on it's, board, it's, man. <laughs> it's humbling. It's humbling to know that we've made it this far. And yeah, there's been headaches and there's been times where we're wondering if we're going to be able to make rent or there's, you know, there's definitely been those moments and those stressful times. But at the end of the day, I've always been confident that, you know, we're on the right path. We'll get to where we want to go. And it's just one foot in front of the other. And I've never stopped that. You know, the one thing I can say is I've, if I've ever had an idea I will do whatever it takes to make that idea work or to get to it. Sometimes right. it'll happen in a week. Sometimes it'll take five years. You know, right. it's the same thing when we were creating the action sports films or any other like kind of major projects. It's like, I've always seen the end goal and I've, there's always a way to get there. Right. And as yeah, long and, as, and like you said, as long as, putting, thing, as long as you're putting one foot in front thing. of the other. Right. And as long as you, like you said earlier, as long as you show up, it'll happen. All you gotta I think, do. I think one of the biggest the biggest lessons I've learned over the last and and I've learned and I've learned this a lot through observing you. I mean, experientially myself as well. Like I have all sorts of anecdotal evidence of this, and I'm and I'm sure Gordo can back me up on this. Is like I learned the concept of horticultural time. You know, being able to set goals and aim for something, but realize that anything worth doing is just going to take a long fucking time to build. It just like anything organic, anything worth a shit is going to take a very very long time to build. And and that is bit like I have learned that lesson 
like that has been hammered into my brain not only from my band but just being around here being around the studio seeing like even if you have that opportunity like you've made two music videos for red man you know what i mean you have done one. stuff with you've done one. Oh, i thought you did yeah. more than one okay well you've done, done, you've done a music video f- <laughs> yeah you've done other projects with red man but and and Afro Man, and we had the Nappy Roots on here, and we sat down with Ritz, and and we've been tight, like... Don't like, forget about Billy Ray. Billy Ray Cyrus, and all the stuff we've <laughs> Wait, done. This, with, this like, show does not forget about Billy Ray. Oh, no. This show will never forget about Billy Ray. We had a We had probably a good streak where we were making Billy Ray Cyrus jokes for... Probably ten straight episodes. Yes, more. I t- yeah. Oh, more, dude. We we ran it into the ground with the Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> jokes. Um, but uh, but like you know, especially when you're in an independent band like Gordo and I are, like we get this idea that like, oh, we've got our name attached to this other artist, or we got on the bill with this big band, and they're going to take us away from here, and that's going to be our big break, and we're going to be, we're going to be, we're never going to have to work again. You know what I mean? Or we're going to, that's going to be our ticket to the big time. Like we're going to blow up. But I have like watched that even with the connections that you've managed to meet, uh, the connections you've managed to make, the people you've managed to work with, the, the like the support from the brands and the pe- the eyeballs that you've gotten in front of and the meetings that you've had, it still takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work for anything to happen around here. And we still show up, and sometimes the fucking heat and the a- AC don't work, and sometimes the fucking roof's <laughs> leaking, and sometimes you know what I mean. Like that's never like, bothered me. Yeah, you know, like that's that's something that. That's something that we have had to get used to is just like slugging it out and going, okay, this is going to be a lot of hard work for a really long time and I'm up for the challenge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when you're committed to your I, craft, I, when you're committed to your craft, that's what you do. You just stick with it, you know? I think Mikey's a good example of that. So probably the best example. example. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's well, that's kind of my point Is is that it's just like, you know, people walk into this place when I give people the tour, when you give people the tour, like, th- and I invite them to come to a podcast. They're expecting to show up at like some house, at some basement with like a couple microphones plugged into an iPhone. And they come <laughs> in here and they see all the stuff that we've built. This and they- exactly is what they envision. They, this is exactly <laughs> what they envision. Right here. This. The they imagine this. Gordo's house. The They're like, oh. Yeah. oh this room is eight by eight. Yeah, that's exactly what I expect. Oh, and a couple of cats? Sure. A couple of cats? Great. I was planning on a couple of cats. For I'll some sneeze reason, my I saw fucking that guy, whole life long. Like, I invite him to come on the podcast, and they're like, I'll bet that guy's got a couple of cats I'm going to have to deal with. They just see yeah. the pictures of me with my cats, and they're like, at least they're hairless. I guess they're hypoallergenic. For some reason, they get short shrift, you know? Like, it's always the cats that are the problem. If you're sleeping on somebody's floor, it's the cats that are the problem. I've been in the receiving, <laughs> you know, end of that. Like, who the fuck is this cat? I'm, I'm trying to sleep. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Mikey, I know uh, I know you got family man stuff to do. Um, I really appreciate you getting on Skype and 
and being patient with us while we, you know, troubleshot all the tech stuff. And more than anything, I really appreciate you giving us a space to experiment and make this work. And I hope that here on our hundredth episode, you can see that your investment has gone a long way and, and I will show up and help you out with anything that you want to do ever as long as you live. As long as I like And you know, I'm always here to support you. I'm super proud of you personally, uh, all you guys really um, for sticking all this out, but I've always been super proud of you, Aaron. I've always looked up to you uh, in a sense, almost like a big brother. Uh, Yeah. Which is funny because you're really tall and I'm really short. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm taller than my oldest brother too. So that makes sense. Are you shorter than Val? Uh, but no, man, I, I appreciate it. I'm super proud of you guys. I'm very honored that you guys made it to episode 100. I love that it's out of there and out of our studio every week. It's really an honor. And I love that, you know, you guys and everyone can utilize that space in the way that it, we built it to be utilized. Right. Yeah. I want to thank uh, both of you guys for for allowing me to be involved with it as well. It's been great. I've learned a lot myself. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. Gordo, having you involved in this has been fantastic, man. It's been a blast. It's been a real blast. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Tony Lee Wilburn. This would not have happened without Mr. Tony Lee. TL. TL on the DL. He's the one who lit the fuse, man. And I want to give a shout-out to John Skibicki. And I want to give a shout-out to Adam Zielinski and Ethan Klein and... All our friends at Evergroove and all our friends here at the Nug Nation and Max and everybody who just helps us make this show happen. And all the guests who came on who like, dude, we've had some awesome guests in a hundred episodes. You know what I mean? We've had such amazing conversations on here and it's like, it's changed my life. It really has. Um, Being involved with the Nug Nation has changed my life. Being on this podcast has changed my life. And I am really excited to do another 100 episodes. I'm really excited to see. You better have me things... on for 200. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll have you on for 200. <laughs> yeah. If you'll have us, dude, by episode 200, you'll be behind some big desk with like a receptionist. And I won't be able to get in without an appointment, man, because that's the way that it's headed, dude. You're you're going to be you're going to be the Gary Vaynerchuk of weed cartoons, man. Seriously. <laughs> He's going to well, be the Mister Wonderful. If there's He's one thing I can Mr. say, Wonderful. There's one thing I can say. You're not going to be too far behind, Aaron, because you'll be my secretary at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> you better bring me a card on Secretary's Day, bitch. <laughs> and I'm not sucking anybody's dick again. 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 Damn. That ship is sailed. Well, well, hey guys, um, I love you. I guys. really appreciate. Yeah, I love you too. And uh, thanks so much. Thanks so much for agreeing to um, to do the Skype call. I'm really glad we're keeping it going week to week. Like, dude. Yeah, sorry. F- sorry, I couldn't be in the studio with you, but you know, dude, Mikey, I get it, it man. <laughs> it's and, it's the next best thing. Got, you got to take care of yourselves. You know, we all got to be smart and responsible right now, and just do our part. You know what I mean? And try and learn from it and try and make the best of it. I mean, everything that can be said about what is going on has already been said by 7 billion people because it's happening everywhere on the fucking planet, you know? Yep. And it's my stepdad, to- at least 
15 million more times by my stepdad. <laughs> I, just, I, just I love you, Martin, like, but you're killing me, man. You're killing me. <laughs> I just, I just mean that it's like the the if if I could take away only one positive thing, and I've thought of I've thought of tons of positive things because that's just the way my brain works. But if I could only pick one, it's that this is like common humanity like at its finest it is something that is really closing the gap in our differences and it's we're 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 all having the same conversation all fucking seven or eight billion of us however many of us there are and so there's really not a not a lot that i'm gonna say about it on this particular episode except that you know i'm really glad that we're doing the smart thing and staying safe and and doing our part and still managing to show up every week and have a kick-ass podcast like i'm really thrilled about that man and i'm really thrilled that you guys are willing to come on and play so um with that i'm gonna close out the episode thank you so much to everybody who's been listening and watching on the streams Ethan, thank you so much for getting this dialed in. I know you wanted to, like, fucking kill yourself at one point. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to get better. It's just, this is rough. It can only get better. Yep. It can only get better. <laughs> all right. These are uh, extenuating circumstances, after all, you know? Yeah, they, and we still showed up. That's we amazing. Did we did it. That's <laughs> fucking amazing. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for showing up for the 100th episode and all 100 episodes of the motherfucking podcast it has been an honor we're not planning on quitting anytime soon um and stay tuned for tons more content coming out of burn tv studios oh my god we forgot to mention burn tv studios in the sponsor section that's what we left out (laughs) you're good (laughs) it's just associated people know it now yeah 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 I mean, we did a whole episode on it, but still, it's like, it's like, oh, what sponsor are we forgetting? Nope, nobody. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for all your support of the motherfucking podcast, guys. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Gordo. I'm Peterson. <laughs> and we love you guys. See you next time. Later. Bye. Bye-bye. The motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. 
patreon.com slash mfruckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 